Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, it's uh, it's that time that's become known as Twixtmas, or as we used to call it, the Perineum between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. but And what a better time to celebrate this relaxing time of the year than when, with one of our interviews. I would I would ask you, Kieran, how your Christmas is going, but obviously everyone listening to this realises that we recorded this sometime before Christmas, so you could make something up. I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure sure Finley did something funny, like everybody's dog does <laughs> over Christmas. I'm <laughs> sure you got some lovely, question, um, lovely presents. Um, this interview, Kieran, is with a chap that I've known for some years. Uh, he's a chap called Mike Lee. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He, he runs uh, all sorts of podcasts, including the longest-running, most-listened Spurs podcast that he hosts with our friend Theo Delaney. But through various bizarre carry-on style antics, Mike has found himself the director of the Portuguese team, O Elvash, who play in the fourth tier of Portuguese football. Which, and I, I was so um, uh, surprised. Uh, by this information, and I thought we we need some insight into uh, the finances of the fourth tier of Portuguese football, and we got some insight, Kieran. We got some very entertaining answers, and this is what Mike had to say about his new life. Mike, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know you're a pleasure. You're a busy man. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna pretend you're busy with important football matters. You've got. Christmas in Portugal to sort out. As you told us. Uh, listen, before we talk about the club itself and the financial situation of Portuguese football, tell us a little bit about your background and more importantly, how you came to be involved in a lower league Portuguese football club, because it sounds a little bit like the setup of a sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, as you know, I've known, I've known you, Kevin, for many, many years. Yeah. I'm a comedy agent. I also have a podcast company called Playback Media, that does the Spurs show, Footballistically Arsenal, Heart and Hound Rangers podcast, and many others. And about 15 months ago, myself, my wife, and three kids decided to move to Portugal. It was a sort of lifestyle change. The work I was doing was remote, you know, remote working anyway. So there was an opportunity through her Irish passport <laughs> to get in here with no, no visa issues, <laughs> which we did. And um, carried on working remotely. But like everyone listening, a massive, massive football fan, been a Tottenham Hotspur fan, been going since the early 70s. So I started watching a bit of Portuguese football and sort of 
kind of noticed very quickly, there's lots of really small clubs in the Premier League. Um, Estoril Prior, my local team, um, Casa Pier, Estoril Amadora. So I just started looking to, with not many fans, so I just started asking questions, as you do as a fan, like, how does this work? And, you know, who, who owns this? And, and I just started getting into it a bit and thinking, oh, maybe I could find some people to invest in, in, in a club. And that's effectively what I did. <clears throat> I'm interested, Kieran, in the fact that somebody's making enough money from their podcast company to buy a football team. <laughs> it makes you it's not my money. It's not. It's not my money. I'm not. The, I'm not the investor. I'm managing the investor. Right. So, uh, yeah. We get told off quite often, Mike, for our um, incompetence in English geography. So, just for our worldwide listeners, perhaps could you just locate yourself in Portugal for us? Just describe where you are. Well, I live. I live uh, near Lisbon, the capital. The team that I'm working with is called Elvash, which is a very famous UNESCO World Heritage City, right on the Spanish border in the region of Alentejo, which is the big agricultural bit that runs from the Algarve, the south, right up uh, sort of west or east across the whole country. Uh, and the nearest town to Elvash is actually a Spanish town called Badillos. Famous for Pedro Porro of Tottenham Hotspurs from Badillos. And that's just five miles away. So every weekend, Elvash is full of the Spanish coming in for lunch because it's half the price of having lunch in Spain. So <laughs> that's kind of why it's well known. And it's the most fortified city in Western Europe. The Spanish never conquered it. The only one who got in was Napoleon, mm. apparently. And so it's quite an interesting city as a it's a tourist city, really. That's that's why it's uh it's an interesting place to go to. And the club itself, uh, Elvash, or was founded in the 40s, was in the first top flight around then. It was last in the top flight in the late 80s. Since then, it's bounced between League 2, League 3 and the Campeonato League 4. A few famous players that your listeners might remember. Luis Vidigal, played for Sporting Lisbon and Portugal, uh, played for them. His nephew, Andre, currently plays for Stoke City. Enrique Sereno, who played for Porto about 10 years ago, also played for Elvash. So it's got a few old famous players that started their career mm. uh, in Elvash. Being so close to the border then, do you have to compete with Spanish football with some of your fans? Do any people on your side of the border support clubs over there? Well, Barrios itself, uh, their team isn't particularly good. Oh, I think, it's, handy. again, it's in either fourth division or regional. So, no. And we're the biggest club in Alentejo. So, the nearest big town to us is Evera. They've got three teams there. Um, so, we don't... But in Portugal, everyone everyone supports Benfica, Sporting Lisbon, some support Porto, and then you've got your local club. But um, that, that's kind of how it works here. And I think Elvash, the club, was originally founded by Sporting Lisbon and Benfica fans, uh, originally back in the 20s. Okay. Um, so just remind us then what league you're in. It's the Campeonato, which is the fourth tier of Portuguese football. You have League One, League Two, League Three. And then League Four is different regional divisions, four divisions, two uh, go up into the playoffs. And then the, win the winner of the playoffs or one, two winners go into League Three. It's kind of semi-pro. Some players are, well, everyone's, everyone gets paid. Some gets paid more than others. Um, and there's, I'd say, the standard of football, I'd say it's kind of Ishmian Premier League, lower conference standard. So we've got lots of big, fit, strong players. A lot of players from Africa come over to Portugal to try and make it. Um, Skill-wise, you know, I think we still need a few more great, skillful players, that, like the great Portuguese players 
we, we obviously know. So it's kind of that level, I'd say. Most of the players are sort of early, early 20s. You get a few older ones that are still knocking around the league. That's kind of how it works. Yeah, my my dad, God rest his soul, whenever the debate came up as to who the best player in the world was, George Best, Pele, for him, it's always Eusebio. Eusebio. Simple as that. Yeah, so yeah. I, 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 I learned about Portuguese football because my dad just said this was... Mm. The, I think it's based on the fact that he once shook Alex Stepney's hand yeah. and he liked that as a sporting gesture. You, you say you're the biggest team in the region. So how does that translate into numbers, crowds, etc.? What, what are you getting at home? Our average crowd is around 500. Uh, in the cup game against Santa Clara, we had 1,300. In their heyday, the stadium holds 15,000. When they're in the first division, they were getting around 12,000 fans. So because of mismanagement over the years and apathy, I, I want to try and get it to like 2,000 fans a game. That's what I'm, we're hoping to sort of get to because that gate receipts then will certainly help cover some costs. So that's, that's, that's the plan, really. Um, we'll see how it goes. And like you say, you, it's not your money, you're advising the investors. But how is a club at that level financed? Uh, is it central funding from the Portuguese FA? FA? Is it all money that you raise yourself? Is it gate money? A lot of these clubs, uh, grounds are owned by the town hall, the municipal. So we've got a lovely stadium. Annoyingly, it's a plastic pitch. We want to put a grass pitch in, but cost of a grass pitch here is about half a million euros. And if we go up to League 3, we have to have a grass pitch. So the big cloud hanging over our head is if we do go up, how are we going to find that money? So the town hall um, do all the repairs and everything. And then the way it works in Portugal, you have the club. So like the fans will vote in a president and you have all that. They run the under, under um, we look after the under 19s, the under 18s, the 16s, all the kids that play, they do all that. And then you create a thing called a SAD, S-A-D, where the investors put money in, the club uh, gets a bit of money and the investors then pay everything. They buy and sell the players. So if you find a player and sell him to Sporting Lisbon, the investors get the majority of that money. That's why it's, uh, that's why investors go, oh, this is, oh, okay. A bit like owning a bit of a racehorse, I suppose, that kind of thing. So that's the appeal, I think, to investors that you, you could, could do well, you know, and, and also maybe investing in the region. Anastasia is the poorest region in Portugal, very, very underdeveloped. So again, I think investors are looking at the region itself and what we can do there. It's very interesting to hear you talk about the pitch because we've spoken quite often on our pod about the problems for National League teams who have uh, plastic pitches because mm. it raises them a lot of money and it helps the community, but they can't have them yeah. when they get promoted. So it's it's almost, uh, in yeah. a way, a, a disincentive, isn't it? If you've got to spend 500 million euros on getting um, promoted, it you kind of doesn't encourage you to do so, does it? Well, this this is the issue. I think half the teams in our league have plastic pitches because of the weather. Alentejo gets to 40 degrees in the summer. So you can imagine just if you had a grass oh, pitch, course. the cost of, of course, irrigating yeah. it and looking after it. So there's a, a weather issue to it. But, you know, we've got a lot of players, skillful players, and you know, with, with plastic pitches. The ball just <laughs> bounces a bit too high, you know, bounces off the shin a bit more. You can't play free-flowing football on a plastic pitch, not the one we've got anyway. So this is the sort of issue moving forward. Mm. Uh, and what about broadcasting deals? I know that cup game you mentioned was live on Portuguese TV recently. So would you have made a fair bit of money out of that game? 
None, nothing. They don't give you anything. You only get TV money from League 3 downwards. Sorry, League 2. League 2 is when you get decent money. You get about a million euros a season if you're in League 2. Makes a big difference. After that, no, they, they don't pay any money. They just, you know. And again, the kickoff had to be 11 a.m. that day because our floodlights aren't great. So they went, well, if it gets a bit cloudy and a bit later, <laughs> we won't be seeing anything on TV. <laughs> so that's another issue we've got. We're waiting for the councils to sort out, sort the floodlights out as well. <laughs> I want to bring um, Kieran in here, Mike, just to give us a bit of context about Portuguese football. Where, where does Portuguese football currently rank, Kieran? in the European uh, League of Finances? And what's what's the status of Portuguese football in general at the moment? Um, it's probably about eighth. You've got you know, the big five, England, France, uh, Spain, Italy and Germany. Then you'd be looking at the Benelux countries of, of Belgium and Netherlands. And then I'd say we'd probably be looking at Portugal. Fairly, It's fairly close along with, with Scotland. Um, you know, Scotland's got a, clearly got the two big clubs. It sounds quite similar to, to what Mike's been saying with regards to Portugal. And then you've got a, a, a fairly big drop after the major clubs, the ones who are qualifying for Europe year in, year out. And Mike, you told us that most Portuguese people support the big clubs, Benfica, uh, Sporting Lisbon, etc. What's the interest in English football there? Do they tend to have an English team as well? Do they watch the Premier League? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, of course they do. I and mean, you get all the games here. So again, you know, most of them will support the, 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 the big teams that they do around the world, really. But, um, you know, but they, they absolutely love their football here. It's, it's nuts. You walk past any bar, any restaurant, there's some game on. There's Channel 11 here, uh, the Sport Channel. Um, there's always a game on, whether it's League 2 or 3. Uh, it, it's, it's constant. It's it's just occurred to me, Mike, we've got a really nice Portuguese cafe down the road. And you're absolutely right. Whatever time of day or night you pass it, there's a a game of football going on. I think I might impress them by going in and tell them that I know the man who part runs Oelvash. I think that I might be getting free coffee off the back of that bit of name dropping. Oh, exactly. You know, maybe I'll I'll send a scarf over for you. They can hang it up there. Oh, I'd love that. Well, we're a devil for a kit over it. Tell us a little bit more about your specific role at the at the club, Mike, and also tell us what the the locals make of you. <laughs> I don't know because I don't speak much Portuguese, and they don't speak any English in Elvas. Really, very few people, apart from Lisbon, very few people do. Um, there's myself and and two other guys. One guy, uh, Ricardo Sereno, he's the brother of Henrique Sereno, who played for Porto. He's from Elvas, so he knows everyone there. He's he's the sort of the uh, the guy, Mister Fix It who everyone respects and, and loves, and, and he is great. We've got Miguel Silva. He is like the sort of finance guy. He's just another dad from my school. We just had this conversation one day and said, let's look at how do we do this? And we looked at a club in Lisbon called Atletico, who are now in League Three. And then and then Ricardo said, well, my local town, they're in the regionals. They've just gone up, but they can't afford to go up. They can't afford the next level. We need money. And we literally just found another dad for the school who runs a software business and various other businesses. The press conference was going on when they're about to say, we're staying down, we don't have the money. We said, wait, wait. We saw it at my kid's party and said, do you want to buy a football club? He was like, what? I said, he goes, let me speak to my business partner. They came back and said, how much? And we said, this for the year. And they went, oh, right, let's, give it, let's do it. And that's literally how it, how it happened. And we went down, met the mayor. 
and everything was done very, very quickly. We were voted through. I'm, I'm just known as the Inglesi guy, the English guy in the papers. <laughs> and um, everyone was very friendly. And that's how it worked. I mean, it was, it was, the deal was literally done in 48 hours. And then in, when we started end of July, we had five or six players. We had to get another 16 players in, uh, backroom staff, what I'm still doing now, building the website, the merchandise store there. Um, doing the live press conferences, the live streaming, all that. Nothing had been done. It was literally starting from scratch. I'm to give you an example. They got this beautiful club headquarters in Elvash that was bequeathed to them many years ago by a fan. And I sort of said, every Friday, let's do a press conference. Let's get the coach there live on YouTube. So we had all the this before the cup game. So two o'clock is meant to go live on Friday. Go online, nothing happening. <laughs> Phone the guy. I said, what's happened? We haven't started yet. Why not? We can't get in. No one's got the key. <laughs> <laughs> they don't normally open it too. So you're like, oh my God, you know, this is what you're sort of up against the whole time. You know, it, it sounds it, it sounds very exciting though, Margaret. It sounds like a, a live it, is. it sounds it. like a live version of a of a computer game, really, running your own football club in a way. Yes. And also it, it is, it is. I, I just I just like the idea of, of me when Ed was at school many years ago, me just chatting to somebody of a parents saying, You fancy buying palace? I'll have to see how much I got in the bank. Yeah, all right, we'll sort it out Monday. Um, so you you mentioned you want to get the crowds up to to two thousand. You're talking about promotion. What's a reasonable ambition for a club like OL Vash? I mean, how far could you could you aspire to the top league of Portuguese football? Yes, that 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 is that is that is the goal. That's our kind of five six year plan. Because I said before, there's so many small clubs in the top flight: Casapia, Estoril Prior. They all make their money. They all make between 10 and 20 million euros a year by selling one or two players invariably to Porto, Sporting Lisbon, Fulham, you know, the Tottenham obviously bought Poro for God knows what now, a lot of money. That's, that, that is the normal model of Portuguese football. Buy, so sell your one or two best players to a bigger club and the investors effectively have that money. You've obviously got, you're never to compete with Benfica and, and Sporting Lisbon, the incredible football academy network. But we want to go all the way. We want to set up our own academy there as well. And the other thing we're doing now, we're, we're having other teams coming over for tours. So we had a team from Brazil called Sarah Branca who came over. We organised four or five games against local teams. And I would love to get anyone out there who's got an English club who fancies some pre-season games. We can uh, sort sort a few games out for you. And some, it's very, very cheap, the hotels and everything. I would love to get more English clubs over and have a link with English teams. Hmm, maybe we could have a podcast link up. Let's have a think about that. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to Notion.com slash Price of Football. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash Price of Football, and start turning ideas into action. That's Notion.com slash Price of Football. 
Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. So those, if Benfica and Sporting, you say, have got really brilliant academies and scouting systems, does that mean you're worried that if you do develop a youngster, Mm. the chances are you could lose them at the age of 15 or 16 to a big club rather than keeping them and selling them? Uh, Well, at that age, you can't can't sign them up at that age anyway. So uh, we've got the under-19s and stuff. I mean, normally, if you're on the Capionato and you're a good player, um, you'll probably go to a League Two team. I don't think. They, I mean, we're, we're still on the lookout. The transfer window is about to open. We're, we're we're looking at a player who's from a League Two team. They're under twenty threes. It isn't getting a look in. So we've said, well, come and play football. We'll, we'll give you. Uh, we'll, you know, you can play every week. So that's our kind of level. League Two, League Three players dropping down to play. Uh, they love the project. They they love what we're trying to do. The coach that we got recently was nine unbeaten Portuguese guy called Pedro Hippolito. He coached in Scandinavia, in Iceland and stuff. So I like the fact that he had experience outside of Portugal because we have you know some quite a few non Portuguese players. Um, so that's the, the kind of level we're at really. And presumably you you haven't reached a level yet where you can afford a transfer fee. For anyone, you you have to be more canny when it comes to recruiting players. Um, correct. I mean, the, the way it works here is most players earn around five hundred euros a month. We also pay their accommodation and their food. We have twelve players under contract on minimum wage. Minimum wage with tax is about a thousand euros a month. Um, so <laughs> you don't make much money at this level. But you know, with a squad of twenty-two and coaching staff, it, 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 and and accommodation to cover, boy, it adds up. It really does add up. And at this level, money coming in, no money from the gate receipts, very little money from local sponsors. I think we earned, I think we earned about twenty thousand, twenty-four thousand euros from our cup run. So that was that was handy. Um, but more money goes out than in. Uh, at this level, you need to get to League Two, as I mentioned. That TV money comes in. Uh, the first division clubs will start looking at your players. Um, I think there's a team called Mafra above uh, Lisbon that's owned by some Danish guys that own, is it Mitterland, the Danish team? They sold a player to Sporting Lisbon for about 20 million. Um, I think he played against Arsenal in the in the um, Europas last year. He played very, very well when, when Lisbon beat them. So that's the kind of level you can get League Two. That's the kind of money you can then get for sort of League Two players. And now, now, now you're making some money. So that's the kind of carrot, I think. Uh, but again, with football, people just love football. People just love the excitement of going to games. It, it makes no financial sense. To buy a football <laughs> club, uh, probably at most levels, you've got to love it. You, you don't go in there as a, as a hard nosed business decision. I'm going to make money because because you don't. You you do it for the love, and if you can make money and have some great memories, then then even better. 
you've you've just summed up Kieran's ethos. You've summed up four years of our podcast by saying it makes oh, no right. financial sense, <laughs> makes no financial <laughs> sense whatsoever to buy a football club. That's essentially what Kieran's been telling the world at every level for four years. Kieran, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, Kieran's nodding. He's forgotten to take himself off mute. He's, he's, I would say he's got a hangover, but he's, he can't have. He must be. Yes, he's on the fizzy water. Um, you say there's no money coming in from gate receipts, and it, so even with a crowd of five hundred, you're not making any money. How much? You- there's a bit, but I mean, again, you have the seat. You have the season tickets, the socios who pay extra a year, so they pay. Excuse me, about five euros to get in. Five euros. It's about. Eight euros to get in. Crikey. Yeah, yeah, nothing. That's not a lot uh, for is the it? cup game. The federation cover all the expenses, so they put them up to twelve euros just to walk in. And the fans are like twelve euros to watch a game of football. <laughs> this, is, this is disgraceful. <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of level. Um, the, we all the we made all the kids free. Under twelves go free. We do lots of things. We're going to do an international women's day or women coming free. We're constantly doing different promotions and fancy dress and different things just to get people in. But speaking to everyone who might know football marketing, everyone has said to me, Mike, you can spend as much money as you want on great ideas. If the team ain't winning, most people won't go and watch a game of football. People want to be associated, apart from diehards like us. Boy, we've been through the mill, the highs and the lows. Most sort of fair weather fans will go for teams doing well. That's from England. That's from a national team all the way down. We, you know, if, if we turn things around next season and start winning and moving up the table, more people will come. It's as simple as that. We get to League Three, more people will come at this level. You know, the, the football before we arrived, I think, wasn't great. Um, so, so all the, uh, attendance is a building, but it's uh, it takes time. You and I, Mike, have a, a mutual friend in Mark Webster, who listeners may know from TalkSport, yes. a man who's so cockney, he makes Ray Winston sound like Oscar Wilde, essentially. But <laughs> but he said exactly the same thing. He's, he's from a big family of West Ham fans, and, and of course all his children mm. um, were moaning when they moved from the bowling ground up to park, whatever they used to call it. And mm. he said as soon as West Ham start winning games, this will become everybody's favourite stadium. And essentially that's that's how Absolutely. it is. The, 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 yeah. the, for any football club at any level... You just have to win football games. Just briefly, it just occurred to me, do you only play football or like so many other continental clubs, do you have other sports going on there as well? Yeah, a lot of them have these sort of desportivo. They do a lot of other teams do futsal, which we know as five-a-side football, <laughs> basketball, volleyball. They they have all these things. The, the, the club did have basketball as well, but now they just have football at the moment. Uh, but the, 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 but the, the local council have got... Um, We've got three pitches, we've got two pitches on either side of our stadium. Down the road, there's a rugby and athletic stadium in the t- in the city. So, yeah, I mean, there's the sport mad here. The big game here now is paddle, which is a cross between tennis and squash, which is indoor and outdoor. Paddle's a, a very, very big game here. Great fun. Even me and you can do it at our age because <laughs> yeah. you're not running around. Okay, okay. Far, so if they've got a, you know? if they've got so, walking um, paddle. They're, they're sport yeah. crazy here. They um, really are. When you were having those conversations outside the, the school playground with, with people, did you have any idea of the challenges you'd be facing in running a smaller team? Or, or did it all just seem like this is going to be a great, great adventure? Um, I had no idea. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. It's just because a club's always done something a certain way. And uh, for example, when, when, when we decided we had to get rid of our, the, the, the original coach, and we sort of said we've got to do this, no one at the club told us that he was under contract and had X amount of months left. So when we had the conversation with him, we said, fine, you've got to pay, you've got to pay me off. And we we're like, what? Oh, he's under contract. We had, no one told him he's 
under contract. So then we had to find the money to, to move him on and his coaching staff before we got another one in. So things like that we had no idea about. And again, like any business, if, if you're taking something over and they've run it in a certain way, this is how we do it. Um, I discovered our, our ultras, the uh, the 20 sort of um, Elvis ultras, the club sort of turn a blind eye for them selling tickets through the barrier for a couple of euros to get people in. That's their beer money and, and, and travel money for when they go and watch the team away. So they just go, oh, here's just have some free tickets, make a few quid out of it, and uh, we don't mind. I'm like, you're kidding me. You know, so things like that are always going on that I had no idea about. Uh, presumably you haven't tried to stop that, have you? No, no, <laughs> they're quite big. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go near them. Yeah, you know. Well, Kieran, I want to bring you back in here on this because what Mike's telling us illustrates something you've been saying, as I said, for the last four years. Because I know Mike, and I know Mike is a canny businessman, and I know Mike knows football inside out. And we'll come on to Mike's uh, English team in a moment. But even somebody like Mike, who knows football and business, goes into a football club and is almost bamboozled by what's going on. Football is like no other industry, though, because the the returns on investment are on the pitch rather than in the balance sheet. And even though we've got lots of people with, with extensive business experience in the industry, you get seduced by football because, you know, the coach will come to you or you'll be thinking, well, we sign one more player uh, yeah, we do this slightly different deal, then that could be the difference between promotion and non-promotion. And you go, well, it doesn't, probably probably not going to work, but let's go for it anyway. And, and you see that. I mean, we, but that's what we're going to happen. That's, that's what's going to happen on a much greater scale in the January transfer window. You'll have coaches going to to owners and saying, yeah, I've, I've, I've spotted this lad. You know, you're, you're eighth in the championship. You want to get into one of those playoff places or you're, you're six in the Premier League and you want to get into the top four. And, and all, all that happens is you, it, you just increase the number of zeros, but the principle is the same. You, you leave your business head at home when you become an owner of a football club. And that's part of the wonderful thing about it. And that's part of the scary thing about it at the same time. And um, yeah, for the sake of this podcast, long may it continue. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to ask any questions on the uh, on the coaching side because obviously my background is although I love football, I've, I've never coached and all that. And I was having uh, lunch with a coach a while back, and I was asking about the league and who are the difficult teams, and he just sort of said, "The stand is the same at this level. Every team during a match is just waiting for the other team to make a mistake." And that's the difference between the teams. And he's right. We've given away last-minute penalties. We've given scored own goals in the last minute. Individual errors. Most, if you look at the results in Capionato, most results are 1-0, 1-1, 2-1. You know, this kind of thing. No, no one gets spanked, uh, really, at this level. You're waiting for someone to make an error, and the other team will pounce on that mm. error. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners at home, Mike just did a very good pouncing mime then. I did a great pounce. Yeah, I can almost hear. I can almost hear the grrr. grrr. (laughs) Mike, you 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 host Mike. What I believe is the most listened to Spurs podcast in the world. Certainly, sort of the the oldest. Uh, The Spurs show has been going since two thousand and seven. Sixteen years, which you will make Phil Cornwell of Stella Street fame and uh, Gilbert's Fridge and all that used to host. And then uh, I was his co-host, and now I host it with uh, Theo Delaney, 
brother of Sam Delaney, uh, who who yes, you know, who does the Life Girls Pod as well, which I think you've you've, you've been on. Um, so yes, I've been hosting that for a long time, and, and 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 like this wonderful podcast, we do live events as well. We did a Christmas show last week with Clive and Paul Allen, and next March we've got Paul Gascoigne with us at the Leicester Square Theatre. He's wow. doing a one night with the Spurs fans and the next night with the Glasgow Rangers podcast, Heart and Hand, um, f- for them. So, um, yeah, I've been doing it a long time now. And two things. What First of all, briefly, what do you make of Spurs this season? And secondly, are you now much more sympathetic to the likes of Daniel Levy and decisions that have been made <laughs> in the past because you have some insight into how running a football club works? That's a really good question. I mean, firstly, the football now, what a difference after the awful football we had to watch under Conte, whereby you'd look at your watch and go, oh, we better go now to the game. Do we have to go? Well, we pay for the ticket now. We've got to see the ticket. <laughs> and you trudge along. And even when you won 1-0, you come out and go, no, oh, we won 1-0. No, no interest. I mean, this guy's come in who I'd, I'd never heard of him. I knew he was at Celtic and all my Celtic mates were going, oh, he's, oh, he's fantastic. And it's it's just great fun. It's it's just it's like playground football. It's just crazy what's going on. And for Spurs fans who we like to think the Tottenham way, and you know the from the from the double onwards, the wonderful free flowing football. This is you know we've always said you know would you rather win one nil or or four three? Obviously it's four three, and you don't watch great football. So we're really really happy uh, with the way things have gone. Obviously we've had these big injuries to key players, so. Where we finish up this season, it's a really question of when they come back. And as Kieran said, the transfer window is about to open. I'm sure they're trying to get another centre-back, maybe another creative midfielder, maybe another centre-forward. And in terms of Daniel Levy, yeah, because because what I've found out in this brief time so far with Elvash, everyone has an opinion. Everyone will tell you what to do, whether that's what post goes out on social media, to who <laughs> should be playing. Everyone will tell you, no, 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 what you got to do. And that's what I've learned. So I'm thinking... You know, how many people... I, I think maybe the problem, maybe Lee is very clever. I don't think he has too many people in his ear, um, to be honest. I think he just really makes decisions and that's it, which is probably quite a clever idea because, you know, if, if you have to sort of make decisions by committee, um, which I think a lot of sort of lower league clubs do who have fan, fan ownership, I think it's very, very difficult to run a club. Mm. So if, if Spurs were to show um, some interest in a multi-club model... Would you be putting your hand up and saying, Daniel, if you want to buy a Portuguese club, we're here for you? Absolutely. Uh, that, that would be, that would be a, a, like a dream come true. I mean, you know, they're kind of... I think the Capionato is a bit low, but certainly uh, I heard on your show a few weeks ago, Kim was saying the whole multi-club ownership thing is becoming a, a big, big thing. Lots of people are doing it. Um, as I said, the region of Alentejo is, could be richly developed. So somewhere in money could hopefully come in and go, well, there's something here and we could build a hotel here and do this and do that. So I I, I think it's actually achievable, but we, as a club, we just got to get bigger and more well-known and uh, hopefully, you know, more, more tourists, football tourism, you know, if you come into Lisbon and all that, okay, it's, it's a two-hour drive from Lisbon, 120 miles away. Or if you're in Spain and you're, you're in Spain, hop across the border and come and see a game. You know, you know, my, my, my local team when I, uh, growing up in North London was Wingate and Finchley. My mate Aaron runs that. I used to love whenever Spurs weren't playing to go down the road and just wander in and, and watch a game. It's, it, it, it's the real football. You really, 
and for you, you know, if you've got kids as well, you get up close and personal with the kids, with the players. They'll come up and do selfies with you and sign stuff. You don't get that in the Premier League anymore. These people, these people are just, you know, you just they're not real to, to, to most of us. So that side of football, you, you, you can't beat it. Yeah. Um, and I suspect, knowing our, our listenership, they always get really interested in new clubs that they find out about. So you'll be, oh, I'm going to say you'll be inundated with orders for the clubs. You'll, you'll be getting five or six orders, Mike, from around the world. Oh, that'd for, be amazing. Uh, Elvash, for Elvash shirts, I imagine. Mike, well, you've been, got an English uh, version of the website, so you can get your shirts and your training thing yeah, and your, your hats and your mug. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Well, and obviously we'll be keeping an eye on you from now on, Mike. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. It's been oh, thank you. Fantastic insight. Amazing. There is there is one hundred percent an old fashioned Ealing style comedy film to be made about <laughs> Inglesi trying to run this Portuguese football club out in the agricultural wilds of Portugal. So fantastic. Good luck with the rest of that the project, Kieran and Mike. And we'll definitely be keeping an eye on you. And we'll talk soon. Good luck, mate. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kieran. Have a great Christmas and a wonderful, happy and healthy 2024. Thank you so much. There's a, there's a couple of things, Kieran. There's one in particular I'd like to pick up. The, the last news pod we did, I think it was, this gets it's difficult to remember this time of year. We spoke about um, Clem Morthuni. Uh, possibly overstretching himself when he he bought Swindon Town with the best intentions, um, and we discover that you know a similar thing happened to Mike again with a bit. Just didn't realise fully all the problems that go with with running a football club, even at that level. And he's somebody who knows about business and about football. And as, as we say, that just underlines everything you've been saying about business and the game since we started the pod, Kieran. Yes, it, it's amazing what football does to people. Because these are, you know, Mike's clearly a very smart bloke. Clem Morfuni, clearly a smart bloke. They've been successful in, in their own careers and in their own industries. Um, you enter the world of football and it's as if your business head has been transplanted elsewhere. And you start to get excited and giddy, which we do as fans. But, you know, there's a reason why neither you nor I should be let let near a football club because we are fans first and foremost, and uh, you know, we still we still have that romantic innocence. I think in terms of uh, you know, what our clubs can achieve, and you know, for somebody for, like Mike to say, yeah, yeah, we, we are going to, you know, <laughs> I've been uh, I've been seduced by the game is is both wonderful and. Part of you has well, you've got to be a little bit reserved here in terms of, uh, you know, in, in terms of the sustainability of the game. And, you know, and certainly on the last podcast, we, we went through so many stories of of clubs who had perhaps overreached themselves, not necessarily for uh, you know the wrong reasons, but because they they wanted to to move to the next level. But and and we wish you know wish Michael well. I think he he does appear. I think he's going down the right route whereby instead of increasing costs and worrying about revenues later, he's trying to come up with innovative schemes to to, to raise revenues and on the back of that uh, to allow the club to be more competitive. Yeah. Did you buy Finley some clogs for Christmas? Which it sounded like he was tap dancing his way into the house. Um, I also, I, I think I, I owe our listeners an apology. I, I believe I referred to the price of a plastic pitch 
uh, in Portugal was 500 million euros. And it's quite clearly that's it's not that it's not as <laughs> so much as 500 million euros. The other thing I was particularly interested in, Kieran, was the the, the fact that asking what's in it for the the investors or the potential investors for a club at that level in Portuguese football. And what's in it is the hope that one of their players gets sold for a hefty transfer fee to one of the bigger clubs in Portugal, and they 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 split the transfer fee basically, which is it, it's a sort of interesting financial model, isn't it? Yes, I think Mike used the the appropriate analogy. It, it's like owning a racehorse. So I know some people that own bits of racehorses, and. They say, I would imagine it's fairly similar to owning a football club in the sense that the two best days are the day that you buy it and the day that you sell it. And the bits in between, you have the occasional smile on your face, but the vast majority of the time you're just spending money. Um, This isn't the same as third party ownership of players, but what it would appear to be the case is that there will be some form of dividend paid in the year in which the club has a substantial sale of a player and therefore those profits, which will be you know, a proportion of that will be reinvested back into the club and a proportion of that will go out in the form of dividends to, to the investors. So it, it's clearly a very high risk model because if we could all identify uh, fantastic footballers, we, we wouldn't be you know, in, in this conversation now. Um, and who has got the, the magic box which can identify a player who not only looks promising at the age of 12 and 13, but can be doing that 10 years later in, in senior football. Um, that, that's, that's a pretty tough, tough gig. Mm. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join those nice people as well and make a small monthly contribution, which will get you access to our chat community and our regular quizzes, then you can do that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at price of And if you'd like to buy our book or one of our other books or get yourself a price of football t-shirt, you can find details on our website, priceoffootball.com. Uh, all we can do now, Kieran, is, is echo Mike's sentiments at the end there, where he wished everybody a very, very happy new year and uh, a safe and healthy 2024. Bye, everyone. Take care, folks. The Price of Football. I'm for the